Welcome to Matt Bites, episode 18. I'm Mike Thomas and I'm here with my co-host Elaine Giles. Well, we said we'd be back for another episode and here we are. Must have been all the positive feedback that we got. First of all, I'd like to say thank you to Amanda and David. Thank you for the welcome back sentiments and your comments on the, the blog on the show notes. The software with the sensible licensing is going to be revealed later in the show, so please keep listening. And uh, Lucy C., you uh, made a comment about Big Ben, and I think that was in response to my uh, comment last week about uh, does it bong on the hour? I do hope that's what it was in relation to. Yeah, I think I think that was the uh, the subtitle of the show, wasn't it? It was. Well, uh, the bad news is that this application called Big Ben, uh, and the uh, the URL we'll put in the show notes, uh, it does not bong on the hour. Oh, well, what's the point of that then? Well, and it's actually nothing to do with the iPhone app, Big Ben. What it Aww. is, what it is, is it displays a window. It's for the Mac. It displays a window showing the current date and time in up to twelve cities around the world. You can actually select which cities you want, configure colours, order the list alphabetically or by GMT. But it doesn't bong on the hour. That's a showstopper for me. Don't bong on the hour. Not interested. Yeah, well, it's, it's not the kind of app that I think I'd use, but uh, the name obviously Lucy picked up on and uh, thought we might be interested in it. But uh, just to let you know, there's a 30-day trial of it if anyone is interested in it, and it costs $10. Oh, paid for toys as well. Mm. Good grief. Yeah. But also this week, we had our MacBytes Live. And we had a fantastic time. So big thanks to all who joined us. Uh, you managed to make WWDC even more enjoyable. It was great to share it with you. We even had Hearty Diamond partaking remotely with um, a somewhat diabolically dodgy mobile connection from Didcot. And that is not easy to say. Um, I was updating him via Twitter. So uh, we had a great time. And if you missed it, well, shame on you. Uh, don't miss the next one. And talking of WWDC, um, yes, everybody's done WWDC to death. So I thought we'd do something different. Um, well, we'd do the fastest roundup of WWDC news ever this week. So don't bother fast forwarding. I intend to be brief. Uh, laptop updates. Nice. Won't be buying one. Perfectly good laptop already. Safari 4. Dust dress to the top or the bottom. Oh, big crisis. Snow Leopard, great pricing. £20 or £35 for a family licence. iPhone OS 3, want, will have, roll on next week. Uh, new iPhones, want, won't have, sobbing uncontrollably. Was that fast enough for everyone? Yeah, it sums it up, doesn't it? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Obviously, we've got to go a little bit more detailed on just a few items, but uh, everybody does a summary, don't they? And they do it to death and oh, can't be doing with it. It makes you wonder why they took two hours over it. Indeed. They, they should have just had me do it. Mm. And uh, then we could have uh, a big booze up. That would work nicely. But on to... iPhone, iPhone, iPhone. 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 Yeah, it was going to be great, wasn't it? Um, the phone looked great and everyone in the chat room was getting really excited. And then O2 came along and spoilt the upgrade party, sadly. Um, there are options if you want to buy. Um, buying yourself out of your contract's a little bit expensive. So uh, if you could possibly uh, give your phone to a nice member of the family who'd be um, willing to assist you in a purchase of a new one, then that's probably the best way forward for everybody. Uh, I can't help thinking it's a shame you've already got one, Mike. I could have had you earmarked for that. And I'm sure you're thinking just the same. <laughs> Yeah, but I've enjoyed using my iPhone over the past, what, eight months? 
yeah so there's not much we can do about it and um, there is actually a very funny um blog out there called o2fail.wordpress.com uh, i found it virtually straight away after wwdc and uh, when the o2 twitter went into meltdown um, it's uh, obviously put together by some people who aren't too happy with that O2's upgrade policy. And I looked at it uh, the first day or so and I thought, I'm amazed O2 have let this be there. There was um, a sign, um, it actually looked like a, a pretty um, authentic O2 site. Um, and at the top where it had O2 in the white and blue, it said uh, rip off ahead. And I thought, O2 Legal are going to go mad with this. Anyway, I went back yesterday to have another look at it. And uh, it's very plain now. It's very white and no O2 logos in sight. So it looks like O2 are actually looking at that one. So if you want to make a protest, that looks like that's the one to uh, go and protest. So um, sadly, not looking like new iPhones at MacBytes HQ just yet. And then, of course, there was Safari 4 and the controversy over the location of the tabs. I remember when the beta came out, was I going mad or did I hear people complaining there at the top? I think people were uh, voicing opinions, should we say. Indeed. But uh, now they've put them back at the bottom, the other people who were happy with them at the top are now complaining. Can't please all of the people all of the time, can you? Uh, I'm not overly worried. It's actually taken me less time to get used to them back where they were. It took me a long time to get used to them back at the top, but there you go. Anyway, you can have your say because we've got a new poll on the MacBytes website. So go and vote now and let us know what you think. The interim results from uh, the MacBytes Live on Monday were 60% wanted them returned to the top. 30% wanted them where they are at the bottom. And the other 30% wanted a choice. So uh, tops looking popular, which mm. I was surprised at. Me, I'm not particularly uh, fussed either way. Uh, I think it's just getting used to where they are, isn't it? That's the thing. It becomes second nature and, and you're clicking in the wrong place. It did take me a long time to get used to them at the top. I think I just about got there, which is typical, isn't it? I think an option's the obvious way forward. Yeah, it did take me a while to get used to the location, the refresh button. That was another thing, they moved the little buttons. I mean, I know you can put buttons back and stuff wherever you want, but I don't like it cluttered, so I have it fairly simple as well. So moving things in a browser can take quite a while to get used to. I was actually more concerned about a couple of annoyances that I found on one of my machines, which seemed to be introduced by moving them back to the bottom. Um, when I've only got a single page open in Safari on that particular Mac, I've got two options missing. I can't drag that... Um, web address now I can if I use the URL but I can't I've got no tab and I can't I haven't got anywhere to grab it to dock it in another Safari window I can use window um, merge all windows or whatever the option is let me have a look um, window merge all windows yeah but if I've got three windows open and I just want to merge two tabs into one then I, I can't do that because I've got no way to drag it and the other option that's missing, because you haven't got the tabs displaying at all, is that there's no new page icon, uh, the plus button. So I pretty much use keyboard shortcuts, but I do actually like, not particularly the button there, how I get a new tab if I'm in mouse mode is I double click in the space next to the tab. And of course the space isn't there, so I can't do that. So that was really annoying me. Um, but when I upgraded my MacBook Pro, which had never had Beta 4 on it, the tab bar is always displaying and so is the plus button. 
So it looks like one, it's doable, um, but two, I can't see an option on my other Mac. So I don't know if it was running the beta first that spoiled the party, but it looks like a trip to the terminal for me. Mmm, techie. Mmm. I'm hoping it'll work. Back you know, up first, I think. I'd always use Control, uh, Command and T or Command and N um, to get a new page. Well, I do, uh, pretty much. It depends if my hand's on the mouse. And where my other hand is, <laughs> but we won't, we won't go, we won't follow that any further. I'd never um, really noticed that plus sign, you know. Um, it was in a, it was in a different place when it was at the top. Yeah. Um, it was right in the top corner, so I didn't use it at all up there. But it's the space. If you've got Safari open now, if you just double click in that space next to one of the tabs, it gives you a new tab, and that is what I do when I'm in mouse mode. And obviously, if I've only got the one tab, I can't do that and I can't dock it. And it, oh, it just makes it awkward and long-winded. But looking at it on the MacBook Pro, it's absolutely fine. So mm. there must be an option somewhere, but I can't find it in the interface. So hence the terminal trip. Yeah, I've still got uh, the, the Safari 4 beta on this machine. Um, I can see the plus in the top corner, but I think I was more intrigued by the little bug icon. Just oh, it. I took that away. I couldn't sit looking at that all day. I, I have very few icons. I really do. I pretty much can navigate everything with keyboard shortcuts. So the only icons I really tend to have um, is the web snapper icon and video box. And that's about it. I don't even need the forward and backward buttons, really. So I obviously took away little bug icon. Didn't want that. Talking of uh, web snapper, you uh, had an issue, didn't you? Oh, I did, yes, but that turned out to be a false alarm. Uh, Mad Panic turned into a false alarm. Um, it was actually Videobox, which is another application from Tasty Apps, the people who make WebSnapper, um, that caused my problem. And what happened was I'd got the beta running and the beta was running fine. So obviously I took a backup of everything and I downloaded... I did actually download the thing. I didn't run the software update. I downloaded the update to Safari. I installed it. Everything seemed to go well. Needed a reboot, so I rebooted. Um, and people were saying at this point on Twitter, oh, you know, it's crashing for me. And there was, there was about 50% saying it was crashing and the other 50 saying, no, it's fine for me. So I thought, well, I'll give it a go anyway. And if I have to reinstall Flash or something, then I will do. Um, I didn't get that far. I just got an error message that said it couldn't run at all. Uh, luckily, it did give me um, a clue as to what the problem was. So I went off in hunt of this file that it was saying could be causing the problem. And the file was called Tasty App Something. So I immediately thought of WebSnapper because I can't use Safari without WebSnapper. So I immediately thought that was a problem. So I uninstalled WebSnapper, sobbing uncontrollably at the thought of losing it. Um, and that didn't actually solve the problem. I had to go in even further and actually delete this file itself not from one location but actually from two and once I deleted it from both locations it was fine I actually managed to run Safari and do what I needed to do so um, I put in a core support call to Tasty Apps and, and said I can't live without my web snapper please 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 tell me when it's going to be fixed um, and they wrote back really quickly and said it's not broken <laughs> it was actually video box um, they changed something in the release version which upset video box and they'd already put together a fix for it. So I re-downloaded the pair of them, um, uninstalled everything to do with Tasty Apps, reinstalled everything to do with Tasty Apps. Ah, oh, sanity and peace was restored. All my favourite apps, as, as I say, they're the only two buttons that I have in my browser. Um, and 
I was really, really thrilled with that because VideoBox now works better than the original version for me. I've now got a little download queue and I can download it from the browser. So a little bit of um, a problem for me to uh, delete it in the first place. But they were really, really quick coming back to me. So um, I was really impressed with that. And I have had, when I mentioned this, I've had three direct messages and PMs from people saying, well, why, why do you need this web snapper? What is wrong with uh, little snapper, print to PDF, take a screenshot, delete as applicable? So I got lots and lots of suggestions and um, all those methods are absolutely a perfectly valid way of creating a PDF. Where web snapper is different is it captures the entire page as it's displayed in the browser. So if there's a print CSS attached to it, which makes the printed page look very, very different from what you see in the browser, you don't have to worry about that because WebSnapper is going to snap exactly what you see in the browser without paginating it, which can break it at inopportune moments, and with selectable text. So if you are snapping a serial number, you don't want it to be a picture where you've got to sit and type it in. You actually want to be able to select the text. And a web snapper snap makes the text selectable. But the biggie is it does all of that without re-requesting the page, which sounds, yeah, and. But it is critical when you're taking copies of pages, when you're buying stuff, because you cannot re-request the page without it complaining saying you've already done this or maybe even the worst case scenario purchasing twice um, it just doesn't work so um, that's I use it virtually every day for that something tells me I buy a little bit too much online but there you go so I just can't use Safari without it and um, I've been saying so since the very start of MacBytes. It is really just an excellent little application that I don't want to think about having to use Safari without. So um, it was brilliant news when within a couple of hours it was back on my toolbar where it belongs. So a uh, big thanks to Tasty Apps and their support people for sorting that out. And while I'm talking about things like that, also to um, the developers of Saft, which is the Safari plugin, which again, difficult to live without once you've tried it and the biggie for everybody twitter went crazy uh, one password one password stopped working for 10 minutes and the whole world ground to a halt and uh, again they were both extremely quickly updated and one password are absolutely fantastic at keeping folks updated via twitter and i really appreciate that so um the upgrade to safari 4 could have been a tinge smoother but it wasn't as bad as it as it could have been either so uh, did yours go okay mine went okay yeah i had no problems with web snapper um i did have a problem with uh, the one password um disappearing but i upgraded to the newest version of one password and it came back so all's well that ends well as they say exactly just going back to web snapper i think it's a great piece of software um, not only do I use it for, as you said, um, invoice pages, but I actually saved the entire um, thread, for, for want of a better word, of the uh, WWDC um, the other night. Uh, it was one of the sites that had quite large uh, photographs of the, um, the presentation. And on the back of your effective presentations um, presentation that you did the other week, I thought, oh, uh, it could give me some inspiration here for doing some slides. Um, now, obviously, it's a very, very long page because it was a two hour uh, presentation. So I just uh, used WebSnapper to create a PDF of that entire um, web page. 
because the whole of the the whole of the WWDC was was in one web page from start to end, uh, with all the text commentary and the photographs. Good stuff. Good use for it too. Yeah. So yes, Web Snapper is is definitely a piece of software that I would recommend. Me too, but I think everybody knows that by now. Mm, yeah. Official spokesperson for Web Snapper. <laughs> well, well, unofficial spokesperson. Happy user. I don't know if they have any anything equivalent for Windows. I dread to think. Can't mm. remember. Nice. I used to print out to Acrobat, so I don't know. Nice little segue there onto our next uh, little story. Something that I found this week. Um, European buyers of Windows 7 will have to download and install a web browser for themselves. Bowing to European competition rules, Microsoft Windows 7 will ship without Internet Explorer. The company said it would make it easy for PC makers and users to get at and install the web browsing program. But I I think there's... um. A there's a logic there. problem there, yeah, isn't there? There's a logic so problem. So you uh, need a browser. So you'll open your browser. You haven't got a browser. Now, what did I say? You could install Firefox to get. Yes, you could. <laughs> you could as long as you've got another machine to download it on, and then some way to get it on the machine that doesn't have a browser. Mm. You know what I reckon? You'll you'll log in, and the first thing will be run Windows Update and it installs IE. I know Microsoft. That does sound likely, actually, doesn't it? It does. It sounds more likely than Firefox automatically downloading. Mm. That's for sure. Yeah. I'm not sure about Europe. You know, um, I I know they've got a, a, a bone of contention with Microsoft about Internet Explorer being a monopoly and all that. But um, I did a presentation on alternative browsers in 2004, and Firefox was um, a mere infant, and it had something like one percent of the market. And I updated this presentation in 2006, and they had a few more percent. They were doing all right. And I updated it again about oh six weeks ago. And I looked at the browser stats and Firefox is now the dominant browser with 47%. So um, whether IE is installed or not, people have got the message and they're not using it in the numbers they once were. So a little bit behind Europe are as ever. I've certainly noticed when I'm talking to people at work, um, not particularly my colleagues, but uh, other people that come on courses uh, and I say, what browser have you got? They t- most of them do tend to say Firefox. It's trendy, isn't it? It it passed that niche element um, and became trendy. So, uh, yeah, most people I know at least have it installed. Um, it of is course. the alternative on Windows, really. I, I say Safari on a Mac. Yes, then that causes major consternation. Although they've probably got Safari on Windows because if they've got iTunes, they'll have surreptitiously probably acquired Safari and haven't got a clue it's there. Mm. And also this week, uh, more news... Google's quick search box was um, launched, somewhat overshadowed by WWDC, I feel. Um, It was a much quieter launch, I suppose, because it had been out in beta. But um, quick search box is a desktop interface to locate items on your Mac and or the web in various ways. So put another way, it's like Quicksilver or LaunchBar. So um, I use LaunchBar. And I use Quicksilver. Well, I did use Quicksilver, but uh, it never took too kindly to leopard for me uh, and i already had a license for launch bar from a bundle so i switched but and i had to stick with quicksilver so that we could have a comparison discussion on MacBytes. yeah you keep telling yourself that 
I know what you're like. You install something and it works and that'll do you. You don't start looking around for better. Mm, if, if it, it ain't works, broke, leave it. don't fix it. Exactly. I know you. And when it does um, anyway, break... Yeah, when it breaks, you come and see me. Yeah. Yeah. You got it made, really, haven't you? Mm. <laughs> anyway, anyway, on to quick search box and how it performs. Well, luckily the install was easy, but uh, I don't install anything until I know how easy it is to uninstall. So uh, my first trip was, uh, OK, how does this install and does it uninstall? Anyway, luckily it is very easy to uninstall. I was wary because it isn't just a drag and drop to your apps folder. Um, it's one of these where you open the DMG and it wants you to double click and actually run an installation, which always concerns me. So I ran App Zapper and confirmed, yep, there was only two files to remove. So um, I decided to install it and have a go with it. There was a sneaky preference turned on by default, which sends usage data back to Google. I'd like to see that turned off by default, but there you go, it's free and Google probably want your data. So um, what it does is it's, it's jobs to search your system in locations that you specify in the preferences um, and act as an interface to Google and all its search options. So I had a go with it and it certainly searches Google fast enough, but then so it should. Um, one of the things I noticed was in the results. So I type in a word um, or a phrase and it gives me a list of options straight away without opening a browser or anything else. A list of options pop up which are search results uh, pulled in from Google. And one of the things I noticed was that in those search results, there's no indication if the specific result is a sponsored result or not. I didn't think of that, you know. Well, I did, because if you remember, remember the Inquisitor commotion? Vaguely, um, but I don't use Inquisitor and I didn't use Inquisitor, so uh, I remember you talking about it. Inquisitors was a plugin for Safari, I think it's still out there, and instead of you using the Google box on the right hand top corner of your browser, um, Inquisitor took that over and as you started typing it came up with a list of results. So it made your searches very, very quick, um, but it turned out, it's a free, free plugin, it turned out that some of the um, results that were coming up were generating funds for the developer, and they were sponsored in some way. So um, he got carpeted for that, really. He got a lot of criticism. So what happened was, uh, when the new version came out, it clearly indicated which were sponsored links and which weren't. And um, there is no indication at all in here whether they're sponsored or not. And one of the search terms I typed in was for a site that is one of my own. And I pay for AdWords on it. Um, so my site comes up in Google as a sponsored link. And it also comes up um, in various other locations um, who take funding from Google for showing adverts. And my site came up top of the list for my search term, as I would expect. But it gave me no indication whether if I clicked on that, um, you see, if I did it because I'm paying the bill for the AdWords, I'd be charged. And there was no indication whether that was sponsored or not. And I, th I think that needs rectifying somewhat. Anyway, that was uh, just one of the little things that I noticed. Um, go on. I was going to uh, explain a little bit about more, more about what this app does. Feel free. Well, at a simple level, um, you start typing uh, an application name or a file name 
or a search term. And what it does is it anticipates what you want to do and then shows you a list, refining the list as you type more. So, for example, uh, if I bring the, the box up and I type something in there, uh, if, if it finds an application, uh, it will list that. Or if it's a, if it thinks that you want to search out on Google, then it gives you an option to do that. Or it might find a file on your machine um, with with the name or the text that you've started typing. Then you press enter, and depending on what you've selected, it will will perform the appropriate operation. Yeah, but the fun doesn't stop there. Just like Quicksilver and Launchbar, you can use the right arrow to show um, additional options. So if you type an app name and then press the right arrow, you get a list of recently opened files. Um, if you type a file name, you get options with the right arrow key to open, to open in, or to show in large type, which is very, very launch barish. If it was a search term and you use the right arrow, then you get options to open, open in, email, or again, show in large type. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of options there. Um, and as we said, uh, Quicksilver has a lot of those, but I've only ever used Quicksilver. Uh, in a very simple way, just as an application launcher. Um, and I've had a play with this one, with this, the Google one. I can see it's very, very useful. Ah, um, uh, you've come around to my way of thinking is what you mean. Uh, exactly, yeah. Now, something else that I think is useful is, and I know uh, you've got to then pick up the mouse and do this. Well, actually, no, you don't, because there's a little drop-down arrow to the right of the, the search box but you can configure with the keyboard. There's some predefined configuration, command and zero through to command and seven. Um, things like Google Image Search, Gmail, Google News, Wikipedia, YouTube even there. Uh, so for example, you type in a search term, you press command and, and one or command and zero, and it goes away and it searches uh, Google Image for any images that relate to that search term. Um, you type in a search term, you press command and six, and it actually searches YouTube. Yeah, that's rather cool. A launch bar can do all that, and it does more, but then you'd expect that because it's a paid-for app. Uh, you can copy files and move files. You can actually bring something up in launch bar and use command and I. You can use quick look. So um, th there's a few extra options there. But uh, having covered the basics, we didn't leave it there, did we? We delved deeper on your behalf, dear listener. We certainly did. One of the things that uh, we found was that when you uh, bring it up, when you launch the application, uh, it only remembers what you've typed in for the first level. As uh, we've already explained, you can go deeper down. Yeah, um, when you use LaunchBar, um, let's say you type in an application name, so I type in TextMate, and I then use the right arrow key. It gives me a list of the recently opened files that I've opened in TextMate. If I then want to open one of those files, um, well, actually, if I just open that file, then the next time I bring up LaunchBar, it will still have that file listed. So if, if I've closed it and then think, oh, no, I've got another change to make, I don't have to go through the rigmarole of typing everything in. LaunchBar will remember that. And it won't just remember that it was TextMate. It will actually remember the file that I had open. But I can also do extra things with it as well. So if I use um, the TextMate shortcut, use the right arrow key, and I get that list of files, I can then press the Tab key and get a whole different list of applications. So I can choose to open the same file 
in a different application as well. Um, and it, it remembers all of that, which um, this one didn't seem to, did it? It just seemed to be one level. That's right. I actually tried as well searching for the Internet Movie Database. According to the, uh, the instructions that I read, if you typed in IMDB followed by somebody's name, um, it should actually take you to the Internet Movie Database, but it just kept taking me to Google. So I think a little bit more research is needed on that one. Usually you have to put something after it. Um, I was going to say what you, what you can do with LaunchBar is it, it does remember everything and, and it can remember it on multiple levels. You can uh, maybe type a calculation in it. It's got its own built-in calculator. And even if you run several applications after that, you can return to your calculation. Um, it, it remembers that because you access things with different shortcuts. So maybe with the Internet Movie Database thing, um, you need a comma or a full stop or a space bar or something because launch bar would do that but it needed training initially it insisted that um, I go visit the internet movie database so what I got was a link to it but after I typed it in a few times um, it got the idea and it presented me with um, I pressed I, I typed IMDB pressed the space bar and I got a text box where I could type in the person's name now I've done that a few times that's now the default so um, it did learn and it learned fairly quickly It'll even uh, search the dictionary as well, which uh, I believe that LaunchBar does, uh, but this seems to take a couple of extra steps. So you can type dictionary, or I think you can get away with, with dict, followed by the word that you're looking for, and then it will, it will bring back um, the dictionary, but it won't necessarily be at the top of the list, so you might have to move down a couple of entries uh, with a down arrow key. I'd imagine if it works similar to LaunchBar that eventually that will come up towards the top of the list. Yeah, it, it kind of learns, doesn't it, as it goes along? It does. Um, I found with the dictionary, um, I, I do the same as that. I type dict and then space and then type a word in and it opens the dictionary. And I'm pretty nifty with the shortcut keys. So I can actually use um, all the other options in the dictionary as well with my hands never leaving the keyboard. Another option you can do, you can, uh, and I use this all the time with you, uh, when I'm sending an email, instead of going to mail and, and command an N and getting a new mail and then having to type your name in, I use LaunchBar for it. I just use my LaunchBar shortcut key, start typing Mike, it immediately comes up with your name. I use the right arrow key, choose the which email address I want, press enter and I've got um, a perfectly addressed email template and my um, the focus is on the subject line so I can just type the subject and uh, away. You can also browse address book entries if you're looking for somebody. Um, it's got iTunes browsing and you can browse volumes as well. Now LaunchBar browses your hard drives very, very easily. I think you tried it, didn't you, in the Google one and it's not quite as easy. It's not, no. Um, a few more steps are needed. Yeah, what, ha what was happening for me was it was very fast and again it remembered where you were. So if you're working with files sort of eight levels down on an external drive, it will remember where you were as you work through them. But I know you were getting, it wasn't actually showing you all the folders. Was no, it? I think it showed the first half dozen folders and then I had to choose a, a more option to see the all the other folders on that drive. So it's not bad. Well, it is free, so it's not bad. It's getting there. Um, the things it didn't do that I found LaunchBar did. LaunchBar is brilliant for browsing your Safari history. Just type in SH um, and you'll see Safari history listed. And you use the right arrow key there and you get um, a beautifully organised taxonomy of all your history entries in Safari. 
and you can search spotlight from there as well which means you know for, for those who like keyboards like me you don't have to take your hand off and go over to the mouse and click the little um, icon in the top right you can actually do it from within launch bar so um, that worked well as well so but I think it was certainly worth me taking a look at it even though I probably wouldn't switch to it because um, I always tend to try and put something similar on uh, Macs that I have to use without launch bar. So uh, my father doesn't have launch bar. We put Quicksilver on his and it is working all right for him. But I think I might swap him to this one because I think this is worth it. And of course, comparing it with launch bar means that I found out some more useful stuff about launch bar that I'd either forgotten or never actually knew. And you can never know too much about your software, can you? You certainly can't. You know, I think I might actually swap to this uh, because, as I said before, I've, I've only really used Quicksilver just as a launcher and this does seem to give you a lot more options. There you go, a convert. It was worth us taking a look then, wasn't it? Mm, maybe you'll convert me to um, launch bar. In the end, give me a little bit longer. <laughs> Anyway, if you can't do without a launcher, something else in the uh, must-have stakes is a, a clipboard extender. And uh, I should know. You should, because you're not allowed one at work, are you? No, they don't give me any good toys. No. Um, so if I copy something, and I, and I know I'm going to be using it uh, later on, uh, I tend to have to open a copy of Notepad or Word or something like that and paste it in there. And oh, then, how primitive. Then make sure I save it in case I have a system crash. Do you mean when you have a system when crash? When I have a system crash. There is, of course, the Microsoft Office uh, clipboard manager. Oh, um, no. No, no. Yes, yes. That was hideous. Is it still there? It's still there. And in Office 2007, you can now store up to 24 items. Wow. Dear, dear me. That's just pathetic, to be honest. Um, when I was on Windows, I used... Um, the ultimate in clipboard extenders called Clipmate, and I know you did as well. Mm. That really did set the standard. It was an amazing piece of software. Been around for ages. I think it first came out in 1991. And it was one of these apps that was really solid, solid and reliable. I don't think I ever really had it crash. The storage of the clips, so instead of um, just sort of saving, like you're saying, 24, this thing you could just keep shoving them in as many as you like. Um, they changed the storage system many years ago when I was still on Windows and it's database based. So there's no slowdown even if you've got thousands of clips and that includes graphics as well. So, um, and because it's in a database, you can literally run um, SQL queries on it to try and find your um, clip. So that is uh, it's just a brilliant, brilliant thing. It even had uh, shortcuts to frequently used clips. So I used to use that instead of something like Text Expander or Typinator. It was built in there. One of the things I used a lot was where I could reformat the clips before I pasted them in. So if I'd copied it out of a Word document and I'd, I wanted to paste it somewhere but I didn't want all the formatting coming with it, I could um, strip that out and paste it as plain text. I could change the case on it and all sorts of things. One of the things I used a lot was, um, it's a trademark term to a Clipmate called Power Paste. And you could uh, choose a clip in your list and then say paste up from here or paste down from here. And every time you paste it in, instead of getting a copy of the same clip, it moved down one or it moved up one. Um, and it was brilliant for filling forms in. I think you used it for that as well, I didn't did, you? yeah. That, that was one of the things I did use it for. 
I used to build um, separate little clipboards for logins for that. Obviously, this was a pre-RoboForm and one password. Um, and for long things, when you're in a registering for a conference and they want the same information 20 times, it was brilliant for that. Even had integrated screen capture and you could share these clips on a network. The interface was pretty amazing as well. You didn't have to, uh, you weren't stuck with like just an icon. You could choose whether you had an icon, a small window, a large window. There was a clip management view. There was integrated backup. It just was the definitive clipboard extender for Windows. And uh, I checked it out because obviously I, I've not been on Windows for some considerable time. It's still there. Um, it's from a company called Thornsoft. And uh, I was thinking, I wonder when this was actually released because I've used it sort of on Windows forever. Uh, and there's a really good page on their website, so I'll put a link in the show notes, to the Clipmate story. And uh, it goes right back to this guy being in college and how he started. So uh, well worth a read. But that's Windows. You know, you were so enthusiastic you there. there. You were so enthusiastic there that anyone would think that you'd want to go back to it. I know. Do you know, I, I was as I was looking at it, I was thinking, this is what you call a clipboard extender. Yes, but it comes with a baggage that's known as Windows. I know. What I want is Clipmate for the Mac. Mm. And uh, when you go to the site, it says, sorry, but we don't program for the Mac. And if you want to, you know, if you're on the Mac, try this one. And I looked at it and thought, oh, oh, here's the one that's similar. And it was one I'd already tried and I was incredibly disappointed. Yes, I was getting rather misty eyed there. Forget that, forget that. No, because with it, I'd have a great clipboard extender and nothing else would work. So, um, yes, I'm going to have to forget that. But when I moved to a Mac, I tried lots of them. First of all I tried Shadow Clipboard um, really because it was the first one that I found and at the time I wasn't intending to move to a Mac so it was the first one I found. They had a great deal on for multiple licenses and it worked well so uh, while I got up to speed on the Mac that was just what I used but as soon as I moved to a Mac permanently I started dreaming of Clipmate for the Mac and I've never really got over it. Um, it, it began a fruitless search um, I had a look at Shadow Clipboard again and uh, there's been no updates for two and a half years, which is never a good sign with software, is it? It's not. It makes you wonder if the, the person is still developing it, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, the site's still there and the site itself has been updated for 2009, but there's no word on the forums. Um, some of the posts go back to 2006 and there's been nothing since. So, and There's nothing wrong with old software, but... Obviously, as Leopard comes out, Snow Leopard comes out, you've got to wonder if, if it's supported. Exactly. I, I like software that is, you know, that I've at least got a chance will be continued to be developed for a few months at least, which gives me time to try something else if I need to. I moved on from that to uh, iClip, which I think we got in a bundle and um, it was in beta at the time. It's got a beautiful interface and there's even a free light version. Uh, and the developer's website's also incredibly pretty. It was just very slow to load for me. The thing is with it, it is beautiful to look at, but it's just too fiddly for me to use. I want, I need something with the power that Clipmate's got. I want to be able to search through clips quickly. I prefer to be able to do it with just keyboard shortcuts. You know, yes, they're beautiful, but if, if they're not fast enough to use, I'm not going to use them. So uh, I moved on from that to Copy Paste Pro which I stuck with for quite a while, I think. It's got some nice options to create short URLs. So if you copy a long URL, um, you can work some magic with it and paste in a short one. 
Um, so it obviously pings out to tiny URL and makes a short one. You could also edit the clips as well. It had been integrated with it. You know the uh, free word processor? There's a special version of Bean integrated. But I know you had problems with that because if you upgrade Bean uh, and you've got Copy Paste Pro on, then Copy Paste Pro gets upset because it's the wrong version of Bean. And I don't think that's particularly clever. Um, I found it powerful and solid, but I know you didn't. I didn't find it solid. I found it was crashing regularly. Uh, I think it was to do with um, Pathfinder. Well, I had Pathfinder installed and it didn't crash for me. So it's just one of those odd things, isn't it? Yeah. So in because the end... Quicksilver works perfectly for you and it doesn't work for me. Yeah. In the end, I actually uninstalled it and uh, I found another one. Well, in between you fight going from Copy Paste Pro to what you're with now, I tried two more. Oh, I'm nothing if not game for these things. Um, I tried one called Corkboard, which again, beautiful Mac-esque interface. Um, from memory, it was slightly different to being just a clipboard extender, but I didn't stay with it too long. Um, probably, again, I just want to use the keyboard and uh, for, for speed, really, and, and the interface got in the way. It didn't help. I did have high hopes for one called Clips, which had an excellent interface. Um, I thought when I saw it, this could be the one. This could be Clipmate for the Mac. It's got a library type interface. If you think of iPhoto or iTunes, it is like that for your clipboard. Um, it supports spaces. So if you're working in a particular space, it can isolate what you've copied in that space. So it, I really did have high hopes. It could also um, isolate by application. You could flag certain clips. You could put abbreviations in for them. So again, sort of text expandery things. And there was multiple interface options. Um, you could have this library view. You could have it displaying in the menu bar. There was a bar that went down the side of your screen. So all good so far. But then there was this wheel. And this wheel covered your entire screen and showed you all you'd clipped uh, in circular fashion. And of course, the bottom half were upside down. I did think the wheel was taking it a tinge too far. Um, what killed it for me was... Um, it was a new product, so so there were there were a few gotchas with it, but it's an activated license, and uh, although the developer says you can install it on two Macs, I didn't find that worked too well, um, because it did need to contact uh, its its home base, and activate itself. And I'm not a fan, as everybody should know by now, of activated software. There is only me here. The fact that I have multiple Macs should not uh, impact my licenses. That is only me using it. So I'm not fond of that kind of software. And then my license failed. So um, even worse. So um, I think from that I moved on to the one that you're using, which is PTH Pasteboard, isn't it? I like PTH Pasteboard, um, but for me, my requirements are, are fairly simple. I really just want to be able to have an application where I can copy something um, and I can copy lots of things uh, and have them available for later use, even if it's days or maybe weeks later. Um, and obviously, that depends how much copying and pasting I've been doing in between. Uh, but what PTH Pasteboard does is it sticks a little icon into the uh, the menu bar. 
and you can actually configure what the icon looks like. At the moment, I've got it as a little pin, but you can have different icons. Uh, and every time you copy something from any application, and it can be text, it can be a, a graphic. Do the ones that you've talked about uh, allow you to paste, uh, allow you to copy graphics? Yep. I think all of them do that. Yeah. Um, so it can be text, it can be a graphic. It will store whatever you've copied into uh, the normal um, system-wide clipboard, but it will also store it in the PTH pasteboard uh, clipboard database. You can configure it so you can store... I've got it set to storing 100 items, uh, but you can configure it for more or less. Um, it's got options like remember items after a restart, which, of course, your normal uh, clipboard uh, it will disappear. You can get it to ignore items from uh, different programs. So I've got it set to ignore pr uh, items from one password, uh, password wallet and, and the keychain, because you probably wouldn't want stuff uh, copied and stored uh, visible. Even if you're the only one using the machine, uh, you wouldn't really want that information visible. You can have multiple pasteboards as well. I think you mentioned one of yours. You can have multiple pasteboards or clipboards. Yeah. So you can you can configure different clipboards, different pasteboards, as they call them, for different things. It also has a filter on it as well. So you can do things like um, uppercase, lowercase or proper case. So uh, if you wanted to paste something which originally was all in lowercase and you wanted it to be in uppercase, then you can just apply what they call a filter. And you can also use the filter for pasting unformatted text. So if the original had been formatted, say, as bold, italic and underline, uh, you can actually just paste it as plain text. You can also assign uh, hotkeys. So this allows you to assign hotkeys so you can just paste it as unformatted text, paste, paste the last thing that was copied as unformatted text, or even bring up the window that lists all the items that you've uh, copied and choose the one that you want to paste. So that there's hotkey combinations that you can assign to those. And you can sync it across uh, multiple Macs as well. Now, before you, you start getting giddy over the price and the registration options, particularly uh, with the syncing and you're thinking you might have to uh, you might have to pay it for multiple licenses. Uh, you can get a demo serial number, which is only valid on the machine which it's issued on. Uh, but if you want to try out syncing, then uh, you need to request a demo serial number on each machine that you want to synchronize. However, if you do purchase the Pro version, and that is $25, purchase serial numbers are valid on multiple machines. Ah, sensible licensing. Yes, another sensible licensing policy. That's good to hear. Yeah, so that is PTH Pasteboard. That is my current one, and that is one that I do like. And I have found, actually, that, uh, as I say, I can scroll down the list, and maybe I don't do a lot of copying and pasting, although I like to think I do, but I've got things on here from maybe a couple of weeks ago. You clearly don't copy and paste as much as me. No. <laughs> I, I struggle for mine to last more than a couple of hours. Now, um, you've got a real favourite one, haven't you? I do. I did try PTH Pasteboard and 
listening to you talk about it now, it would seem that that would probably do pretty much what I wanted it to do. I think my problem with it was it needed a lot of hand-holding and configuration to get it to that level. Um, and I was a bit wary at that stage, that being about clipboard extender number 27 that I was trying, to waste all that time configuring it all to then say, no, actually, it doesn't do what I want it to do. Um, then another one came out. Yes, another one, and I tried the beta of it. Um, it's called Stuff, with one F, S-T-U-F, uh, from a company called The Escapers. Um, and I looked at it and I thought, can't see this one suiting me. It looks, when you're using it, pretty much like um, a heads-up display from uh, one of the pro apps. So it's sort of a greyish, uh, a blacky grey colour. And uh, it doesn't look like it does much. It's very deceptive because uh, it, it pretty much does everything I want it to do. Um, it does the job. So I've got multiple um, clipboard clips. So that, that's the first thing. Um, it's also got integrated Quick Look, which is more use than it sounds. Because if you think about how, it, how your clips display on applications with um, a list or a drop down menu from the menu bar, um, you can only tend to see the first line and you might be looking for a whole paragraphs of text. So what you can do in stuff is you can use a hotkey to uh, show you the window. You can then use your arrow keys to move up and down. When you find the one you think you want, press the space bar and it gives you a quick look at that. Now I find that is really useful. You can also navigate the entire clipboard just with keystrokes and that's where it got me. I thought, oh! You know, I could, this I do want to do. I don't like clicking the menu and bringing the thing up and hovering around because it just disturbs me um, when I'm working. I want it to be integrated with how I work. So I just press a key. I've got um, F19 to do that. Press a key, bring it up, navigate to the one I want, press enter, that's it. Um, it hides the window, it pastes it in wherever I was and I carry on working. So it's very, very integrated with your workflow. Um, you can have an option to paste as plain text, and that is really important for me. I don't know why I seem to copy text from places, and when I come to paste it in, I've got all sorts of weird formats on it. So again, I can do that, and I don't have to set an option anywhere. Um, it's a keyboard shortcut that I can use. Just go and find the clip, and then instead of pressing Enter to paste it, it's just Command and T, and uh, it pastes it in as plain text. There are multiple clipboards, so you can um, have different clipboards for, for different situations and uh, organise yourself that way. There's network sharing um, included, and I've got that working a couple of times. And you'll think, hmm, a couple of times? Yeah, I should only really have to do it once. I don't know why I it won't seem to stay connected. Uh, it does work, but I've not had much luck keeping these things connected. But when it works, it works brilliantly. So um, I'd like to see that a little bit more stable. But best of all, and this was the application that I was talking about last week and I, I couldn't remember which one it was, this is the one with the sensible licensing. Pretty much like PTH Pasteboard, uh, the even better news is this one's even cheaper. Um, their licensing, and this is a quote from um, on their blog, somebody asked the question on their blog, said they were getting a, a MacBook and they'd already got the, the license on the desktop and were, would they have to buy another one? And the answer came back that they have one license per user or one license per computer, whichever is the lower number. Now that is what I call a sensible licensing policy. So when I saw that, I thought I can work with these people and it's only £12.99, um, £12.99, 
which um, I think is very, very good for, for what you're getting. Uh, you've got, the, it's one of the few I've seen with integrated search. So I can actually search across my multiple clipboards, which I've not seen in too many others. Um, so that's the one I'm using at the moment. I'm always open to suggestions. No, not lewd ones. Uh, so if anybody's got any other ones that they'd like to recommend, um, feel free to let us know because uh, I will try them and uh, give you my opinion. But that's the one I'm using at the moment. And I'd like to commend them for their sensible licensing. I can work with companies with sensible licensing policies. So uh, I know you've not tried that one, have you? No, I haven't. But I think we've given a, a comprehensive roundup there, haven't we, of, of what, five or six different oh, ones? Oh, yeah. yes, it was my, my history of clipboard extending on a Mac. And that's where I'm up to at the moment. I, I would still like Clipmate, <laughs> even after all that. And just looking at the Clipmate website and looking at all the features in it, I'd say to the people who make stuff or PTH Pasteboard, please look at the options and think about making... Um, Mac applications as powerful Windows. as that Windows one. No, Windows. no, don't. No. But I just I just want the power that I used to have. Um, I've noticed on, on the Mac ones, and it seems to be a, across the board, um, 20 clips. I mean, 20 clips. That's going to last me two minutes. What do you mean, 20 clips? Um, like we said, Clipmate, thousands. It's a database. You can store everything for six months if you want. And it didn't slow down. But on the Mac, there's this kind of, um, I get the impression that the, the aesthetics seem to be far more important than the actual functionality of the thing. And yes, I like things to look nice too, but I'd like something with a little bit more power. If the Mac's going to be taken seriously as a business machine, it needs to have uh, really powerful software on it. And uh, I'd like to try something that can handle thousands of clips and stuff like that. So um, let's tempt these developers into making the software even better. Because the one thing I will say is the only thing about Clipmate that I never really did get along with was the icon. Do you remember the icon? I don't, actually. It was a clipboard with like lines on it, but it, it was very... Um, once you got to XP and, and Vista with all their snazzy icons, this icon started to look quite out of place. But apart from the icon, if the icon's the only thing I can find wrong with it, then it's a good piece of software. So um, the Mac stuff's very pretty, but uh, it... When you look at it, it just doesn't seem to have the power. So, um, yes, a roundup of clipboard extenders. So we'd love to hear which one you use. You do use one, don't you? Can anybody manage with just one clipboard? One clip that you can save? Surely not. So let us know. Should we move on to the feedback? Why not? We have had some feedback. So I'd Yay. like to say again, thank you for all the positive feedback we've had. Very much appreciated. And uh, I believe you've got some catching up to do. <gasps> catching up and humble pie. Yes, in the vein of playing catch up from her little hiatus, I'd previously mentioned not seeing the point of an iPhone application called Koi Pond. Oh dear, talk about opening a can of worms. I soon had the Koi Pond Mafia on my tail. Hi Elaine and Mike, Jane from the GalacticStrings.com website. On your last episode of MacBytes, you talked about various iPhone apps, including the Koi Pond app, which, Elaine, you said you just didn't get. So I'm here to defend this wonderfully relaxing iPhone application. Why, oh why, you asked, would anyone want this app? Well, because it's pretty to look at. Shows off the iPhone's gorgeous multi-touch screen. You can watch little virtual koi fish swimming around a pool and dodging your fingers as you tap the screen. 
And okay, it doesn't continue to thrill for too long, but it can raise a grin for a minute or two. Okay, so I'm just easily pleased when it comes to iPhone apps. But then, as well as this visual screen delight, there's the sounds of chirping crickets, ribbiting frogs and twittering birds in the background. Use your imagination and let these sounds transport you to a tranquil paradise where the sounds of your hand dragging through the water in the koi pond add to the relaxing atmosphere as you sip your glass of wine on a warm, balmy evening alongside the pool. Then, when you're bored of that, shake the iPhone vigorously to drop food into the pool, which the fish will seek out and consume. And wait, there's more! Hold your finger on the screen for about five seconds and the fishies will all swim towards you. Yay, isn't that great? Well, yeah, yeah, okay, all a bit over the top there. But the koi pond is just a bit of fun and that's what these apps are all about. Now, on to a more serious matter. Hi, my name's Jane and I'm addicted to the iPhone. Yes, I too go to sleep with my iPhone. And the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is check my emails and read the overnight Twitters. So, Elaine, you're not the only one cursed with this addiction. Well, that's my two pennyworth. worth, so I'm off to sit in the Australian sunshine, even though it's still winter here, and listen to relaxing sounds from the koi pond on my iPhone. Cheers, and see you later. So, that was me told. And then, of course, there was the co- Christmas koi pond special, with fairy lights around the pond. Yeah. Never again shall I be so rash as to rile the koi ponders. My humble apologies to all the koi ponders. I'm sure they'll accept your apology. Yeah, I'm not going to rile them again, good grief. We have an event to tell you about as well. 25th of June, which is a couple of weeks, just under a couple of weeks. Uh, we're running a seminar, a presentation on Documents Extreme Makeover. How to take a boring, plain document and make it look super duper. Do you mean sexing up documents? Sexing, yeah. Can we say sexing up documents and keep our clean tag? Yes. Okay. I've decided. <laughs> anyway, you can uh, you can come along and, and attend this presentation. It's online and you can get to it by going to uh, macbytes.co.uk slash live. It starts at uh, eight o'clock in the evening at British Summer Time. All are welcome. And uh, we stick around for a, an online chat afterwards. So, we can't get away afterwards. We have a whale of a time chatting afterwards. We do. The chat afterwards is actually better than the presentation. And considering I'm giving the presentation... That's saying something. I'm glad I didn't say that. Indeed. <laughs> well, that's another episode of Matt Bites in the Can. So thanks for listening. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us some feedback on the website, macbytes.co.uk. Contact us via email on macbytesuk at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash macbytes. So until next time, it's Elaine and Mike signing off. See you next time. Bye.